Amen. Thank you, Thank you Pastor Lynn. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to New Hope Church. I'm Erica. I'm Chad. And we just want to welcome you um, to our Wednesday night Equip and Disciple service. How are you guys doing? Adrenaline going. Woo! We just finished Easter week. It was amazing. We kicked it off with Palm Sunday. We had Christ the Farai came on Friday. Who came? Woo! Isn't that an awesome night? And then we had our Easter Sunday service, and many people got to come and attend and got to receive the Lord. It's been a really exciting and great weekend. Yes, yeah, so we just want to continue to just press into God this week. Um, Pastor Sheldon is going to continue in our series, The Hall of Faith, and he's going to um, do his message, A Faith That Endures. So would you just welcome up Pastor Sheldon? Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Oh, high five. Oh. High five. You, you are the, the committed, the remnant, because there's something else happening in Hilo I'm not sure you know of, but there's some things happening. And, and so I, I truly believe everyone has a specific, you know, uh, thing, uh, a specific uh, time, as well as some things that God wants to speak. And you are saying tonight, God, I'm here to hear you. So speak to me. Your servant is listening and it doesn't mean someone else is not wanting to listen. It's just sometimes there are other things that, you know, they got to do. And so we pray that God would still move in the lives of all the people in Hilo and all those who are a part of our Mary Monarch in our town, that those who are believers would continue to spread the love of Jesus Christ in every single area. Churches everywhere you go also in the sense of you are the church. So... Spread the love of Jesus Christ and continue to love him. But we're here tonight in our Wednesday Equip services. The reason why we call it Equip and Disciple is because this is what we do on a Wednesday night. We're here to be equipped and we're here to be discipled. And that word disciple really means a follower of Jesus in that context. If you know the word disciple as in uh, martial arts, you're a learner and you have a sensei or someone who teaches you. In our case, Jesus is our teacher. So we get to be discipled by him. And as Erica was saying, we're going to be continuing in our series, The Hall of Faith. And we're in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm so thankful, as Pastor Lynn was saying, that we had this past weekend with Christ the Farai, as well as uh, Sunday morning. And over the weekend, I believe we had over 2,500 people, uh, not just at our concert, but also Easter. So you combine those two together. We had a lot of people hear about Jesus. So that was amazing. And this stage was filled with people. Mark, who is the, you know, the lead singer for the band, Christophari, invited all those who said yes to Jesus, as well as those who are rededicating. And they all stood up here. And I'm praying that the stage doesn't fall. That's, I mean, I'm praying for them too, but then he's told them to move forward. And I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, please, please help this stage to stand strong. And Jesus was their foundation, so it stood strong. And it was just simply amazing to see the good things that God is continuously doing. And it has to do a lot with what we're going to be talking about tonight. In the series that we've been going through, we've been learning about different men and women who have a kind of faith that is unshakable. A kind of faith that lasts, that endures, that continues throughout time. And we still, we still speak about them. And they still teach us. And that's the kind of faith we want to develop. The hall of faith is filled with men and women with that kind of faith. And so my question throughout the series is, what kind of faith do you have? 
And would you have the kind of faith that if the Bible was still being written, as it were, would you find yourself in the hall of faith? Tonight, as we talk about this faith that endures, we're going to be looking at a man by the name of Jacob. We talked a little bit about him a couple weeks ago. But this man is going to help us to understand that our faith isn't just something that we're born with when it comes to the things of God. We don't, we don't just have a faith that automatically shifts into gear and then all of a sudden we have this relationship with God. We have to remember because of the, the fall of man, because of sin, we are separated from God. That's what the book of Isaiah says, that we're separated because of our sin. It's kind of like your, your headphones. If it's not working, you might, you might want to check to see if it's connected or if there's something that's broken or if the wires are frayed and if there's a disconnection, then you're not going to hear what's coming out of your, your uh, music device. And so it is with God. If there's, a, if there's a, a disconnection, we can't hear him. And that disconnection is called sin. But thanks be to God that he sent Jesus Christ so that he could overcome sin and death. And because of Christ, we now have this connection back with God. And now that we have this connection, the question is, what are we going to do with this connection? What are we going to do with our faith when it comes to the things of God? In your, when you came in, you were given this uh, Mother's Day invite. And your faith attached to this, given to someone, can help them find God too. Your faith attached to an invite may very well be that which is required for someone to step into eternity when it's their time. Your faith plus a a simple invitation to Mother's Day may very well be the last thing needed for someone who is so far from God that they would look at this and say, wow, you cared enough to invite me even though you may have invited them a thousand times, this 1,001 might be the last one. And they might come because they, they don't want you to bug them anymore. They might come because they say, okay, I'll go one time just so that you stop inviting me and you let God do what he's going to do. But I want you to take this and, and really pray through, God, who can I give this to? Because on Mother's Day, we're going to have, once again, the gospel being preached. The greatest message that has ever come to mankind is going to be preached, just like Easter, just like every Sunday. But the, this is a special invitation that you can give to people. And if you look at the front, of course, we have our service time, 7, 9, and 11. And then the back side, we're going to have what we call the marketplace. Our women's ministry is gearing up. They're going to put a big tent outside. And if you know our women's ministry, they do an excellent job at goodies. They cover all the bases. Like, I lose weight so I can eat at the marketplace. Just because you, in this church, you, you guys are givers, and you give good things. So it's, it, they have a lot of food, but they also have uh, gifts and different things that you can uh, purchase for moms. And the reason why we do this is so that two things. One, our children can find something for their moms at a reasonable price and give it to them as a gift as well as the finances go towards scholarshipping women. Uh, Sometimes there are conferences. uh, They invest in the younger generation uh, to go to camps and things like that. So, again, you have always been a giving church. That's just who you are. From day one, this has always been a giving church. Uh, And then, of course, complimentary breakfast for mothers. I don't know what we're cooking that day. I think the menu is still being uh, created but all I know is it's going to be good. So in, invite your family and friends. 
And that, that kind of faith, when you say, Lord, I'm going to put my faith into action, you'd be surprised at what God does with that. So here we are, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. And it starts off in this way. And many of the scriptures start off like this, by faith. And now here's the man's name, Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Now, when we read that, it, it seems like, wow, that's, a, that's like the end of his life. He's, he's, he's already reached the end of his life. He's, he's blessing uh, Joseph's sons. And then he worships as he leans on top of his staff. What do we gain from this? How do we apply this scripture to our life when it comes to faith? Now, that word endure, the reason why we're using the word endure is because endure means suffer patiently. You suffer patiently. Something painful or difficult or to remain in existence, to last. And we know how to endure. I mean, aren't we as men brought up to endure? Like when we're, when we're growing up, our dads used to tell us when we'd fall down and cry, they would say what? What would they say? Stop crying. Shake it off. Put the bone back in. It's not bleeding. This, you know, it's, there's always something to say, uh, stop crying, or, or toughen up, or, or kind of like, be a man about it. Be a man. And I know you got bang-bound car, but just roll around, you know, you know shake it off. And, and so they would say these things. And so as we grow up, we were taught as men not to cry. And then if we're getting scolding and our, our dad said, you know, stop crying and we're not st- stopping crying or we, we can't stop crying and you have, you know, you try to hold it in, you get the convulsions and you just, you have those little moments. And then they always say, or I will give you something to cry about. See, you got lickens too when you're young. So we were taught at an early age to just endure it, suffer through it, suffer through the pain. Women are different. You just let out all your emotions. You just, you, you go shopping, you eat and eat, go ice cream, and you just, you know, you, you cry it out, you, you let out your emotions. So you're, you're more healthier emotionally than men are because we hold it all in. And then after a while, because the men hold it in, we, 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 let, we kind of rage every now and then on simple things, it's real simple things like, like dinner, for instance. The other night I cooked rice on the, on, the, on the stove, you know, in the pot, like old school way. If you don't have a rice cooker, ours is acting up. So I was cooking on the stove, and I was, I was thinking, I got to go back to my roots on this. I got to go back to Nalo days, Wyman Nalo, and how to cook rice with just measuring with your finger and then with the rice in the pot, only two small cups because only got Heidi and I, so not that much rice. And I was thinking, is it going to turn out okay? Because I do remember getting upset when rice was not okay. And then lash out because those small little things get to us when it's not right. If it's too hard, we get upset and we get mad. Why? Because the rice was like BBs. And when you bite it, it's not, right? We call it BB rice. It's like, ah, oh, it tastes like BBs. It's like, ruin everything. No, no sense eating already. And we get mad. Why? Because rice was like BBs. Or, it's, or some of you don't like it too mushy. So you get upset because it's too mushy. Who made the rice? Oh, he did. And, and so we blame each other. And it's like simple things. We lose our keys. Where's my keys? Oh, I put it on the counter. Why you put them on the counter? Because you're supposed to leave them over there. This is where I put my keys. Don't touch my keys. This is where I always leave my keys. Now I'm late. Well, 40 seconds late? Yeah, late now. So we get upset on the simple things because sometimes we just hold everything in. Now, I know there's probably more things we get upset about, but we still are taught 
to endure. Moms are taught to endure. Dads are taught to endure. Our children are taught to endure. But I wonder if the way we're trying to teach to endure is right. Or does it help our faith? Does it help our faith when we just teach to push it on the side, hold it in, suppress it? Or is there a better way to develop a kind of faith that endures, that is healthy? A faith that presses on, not suppress on, but that we press on. A faith that is developed by the Spirit of the living God, not a faith that is fake, that says, I want to look good, but a faith that says, even though I go through this, or even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In other words, no matter what life looks like, I'm able to endure because of this faith that God has given to me. Not suppressing, not just sucking it up, and not just trying to endure just for the sake of being tough, but enduring because you have a kind of faith that God has given to you to see greater than what is happening today. Because we're all going to be tested with some kind of suffering, obstacle, something that will cause us to either endure or throw in the towel. And Jacob had a faith that caused him to endure till his dying death, uh, to his dying breath on his deathbed. And he developed this faith throughout the years. Now, I, I think about Jacob's endurance when it came to faith. And so I, I wanted to try and map it out for us, and I'll, I'll do it on here, and, and give us a, a basic outline that when Jacob was born, he was the son of Abraham. So Abraham is known, the M. Abraham is known now as the father of faith. So when Abraham gave, uh, was, had children, Jacob is now his grandson because he had Isaac. And we talked about this last week. And Ishmael. Isaac has Jacob. So imagine you had a father who followed God even though he didn't know where he was going to go. That's, he's even in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews that Abraham obeyed even though he had no idea where he was going to go. So now Jacob has a twin brother named Esau. So they're, they're twins and Jacob's name is actually Deceiver. Imagine your name being Deceiver. Like, hey, how's it? What's your name? Shouting. What's your name? Deceiver. <laughs> I don't like to be a friend. So, and, and, and Jacob grew up wanting to control his own life. If you, if you read the life of Jacob, he was very deceptive, very sneaky. He was very sneaky with business deals, even with his own uncle. And because of his deceptiveness, he had problems. And even his relationship with his brother becomes estranged. And now Esau wants to take care of Jacob in not a good way. He wants to annihilate him from the earth. So that's, that's another story. So because of this deceptive behavior, they, they have this uh, estranged relationship. So much that Jacob flees. Now he leaves his brother Esau, as well as his family, and he goes to a place called Mesopotamia, which 
is modern-day Iraq, uh, Syria, Turkey, uh, th- that area, Iran. So there's a, there's a, it's right between the Euphrates River, Tig- Tigris River. In fact, that's what Mesopotamia means. It means between two rivers. So he flees to Mesopotamia. And then when he arrives there, he has nothing. But when he leaves there, he leaves there a wealthy man. Now, why was he wealthy? Because he, when trick his uncle, Laban, from his flocks. Remember, if you know the story, he had nothing. And then he wanted to marry Laban's daughters, Rachel and Leah, yeah, I know, you know, relatives, but that's, okay, that's a different story. So he's taking care of Laban's flock because he's saying, let me work for your daughters. Well, in the course of time, 20 years, he does this sneaky business deal with his uncle and ends up with the best of the flock, and now he's a wealthy man. So now he leaves and is now wealthy and He goes back to his homeland, but as his spiritual side grows, his spiritual maturity grows, his deceptiveness starts to diminish. Catch that, okay? If if you're a person who says, why can't I stop doing bad? Why am I always angry? Why can't I just stop doing these things? Why can't I just not sin? Why can't I just not do bad things anymore, why do I always revert back to my old ways? If you're a person who says that, it may be that you're concentrating on trying to stop sinning rather than trying to be more spiritual with God. Not in a weird way, but growing spiritually. Because the more you grow spiritually, the automatic default is your flesh starts to die. Why? Because you're feeding your spirit more than your flesh. And whatever you feed more is going to become stronger. Whatever you let starve will die. So if you're feeding your flesh more and you're saying, why am I always like this? Why do I revert back? It could be because you're feeding your flesh more than you feed your spirit. Well, Jacob was feeding his spirit, so he became more wealthier, but he also became more healthier when it came to his spiritual walk with God. So he goes back to his homeland, and then he wrestles with God. And then he says to the angel of the Lord, he says, I'm not going to let you leave me and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And then the angel of the Lord touches the socket of his hip and breaks his hip. And then he has to walk with this cane. So now he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. So now Jacob becomes Israel. And he goes back to his homeland And he reconciles back with Esau. So they become buddy-buddy again, but there's still some animosity there, so they just kind of let it go at that. Now, Israel, Jacob, has some sons, 12 sons. One is Joseph. 11 of them get jealous of Joseph, sell him into slavery. Joseph ends up in Egypt and eventually becomes second in command. How's that? You know how, you know how that, that there's this thing going around that says if you, if you want revenge on somebody, become successful. 
Now, if you want revenge on someone, don't take it. Just draw close to God. Life is not about revenge. Life is about growing in the Lord and becoming more like him. So that's what Joseph did, and he became the second in command in Egypt. Well, now their homeland and all around the world, the known world, there's a famine. So because of the famine, these 11 sons are ordered by their dad to go get some grain in Egypt because Joseph stocked up and stored a lot of grain during the good years. So now they go to Egypt, and they don't recognize that it's Joseph, but Joseph recognized that it's his brothers. Well, in the course of time, he finally lets them know that I'm your brother. They freak out, and they say, hey, our, our dad said that you, not, you, you cannot touch us, that you're supposed to. So they lie to him. Like, don't, my dad said, our dad said that you're supposed to treat us well and, 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 and kind of let everything be bygones. And, and Joseph says, look, whatever happened, it, you've meant, you may have meant it for evil, but God intended it for good to save many alive. That's actually a prophetic word that he was giving because through all of that which was happening, Eventually, we see the Savior come out of all of this. So Joseph knew what he was doing. And, and now, when Jacob is an old man, and this famine devastates their homeland, and they're, they're forced to buy grain in Egypt, everything that Joseph has done, reconciling with his brothers, he, he now moves his entire family to live with him in the land of Goshen in Egypt. And Jacob dies at the age of 147 years old. And around 17 of them were in Egypt. So, if you look at his life, tell me he did not have a faith that endured. He went through a lot being the grandson of Abraham. This man Jacob had, had more to live for but understood that even when he was dying, he could still give more. I don't know where you are with your walk with God, where you are in life, your season, but we can always give God more. We can never outgive God. We can, we can never come close to being God, but we can always give God more. We can give him more of our hearts. We can give him more attention. We can give him more energy. There's always more that we can give to God. If we look at this man's life, talk about a faith that endures. So the question is, how do, we, how do we develop this kind of faith that endures? Just by looking at this man's life, here's the first thing, if you want to take notes. And by the way, we do have our church app uh, on, our, on your smartphone that you can download. And right there are the places for notes as well as the scriptures. But the question is, how do we have a faith that endures? How can we have that? Here's the first thing. Be a blessing to others. Be a blessing to others. Jacob didn't start off that way. He was a deceiver. Remember, he was very manipulative. He, he, he tricked his uncle into gaining the better of the flock. And so in this shrewdness of his life, he started to develop more of his faith in God, which allowed the deceptive part of him to slowly die and decay. And as he pressed into the Lord, he began to change. 2017, the word that God gave to us as a church was the year of change. And if there are things in us that need to change, let God do it. 
Just let him do it. Don't fight with him. Don't wrestle with him before you get broke hip. He's going to win. I'm, we might as well give in to God and, and say, look, you win. I'm, I'm going to change. There was a story that uh, Michael Jordan told. And Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players, if not the greatest of all time. And uh, someone asked him, they said, you know, when you played today, you played almost like selfish. And he said, selfish? No, we, we, we did the, whatever we needed to do to win. And then they said, well, there ain't no I in team. He said, there is in win. <laughs> I thought, that's, that's what God says to us, that we win in the end. Just us and God, that relationship with God, he wants us, he wants us to know he will win. So if we fight with God, you can fight all you want. In the end, he will win. He will win. So I might as well not waste time and energy with God and just say, God, change me. Help me. Mold me and shape me so that I can be more like you. So we want to bless others, not curse others, not complain about others. We want to bless them. John chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 17 says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In other words, we can gain all the knowledge we want. We can read the Bible every single day. We can memorize scripture. We can come to church. We can know all of these things. But he said, here's where the blessing comes. It's not when you know these things. It's when you do what you know. That's where the blessing comes in. So if you want to be a blessing to others, do what you've been taught by God. Obey him. That's, that's, where, that's the life of Jacob all the way to 147, leaned on his staff, blessed others, and worshiped God. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters, he himself will be watered. In other words, while you're blessing others, God is blessing you. As you're blessing someone else, God is saying, I, 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 I'm going to bless you. Why? Because you're a conduit now. You're a conduit to this person that is being blessed. So I, I'm going to continue to supply you with blessing because you're blessing them. That's the promise of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, when they're building the church and they're, they're increasing in numbers and when they're raising up disciples and young men and women are coming to know the Lord, in everything I did... I showed you that by this kind of hard work in Acts 20, 35, that we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus said himself. And he said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But boy, we love receiving. We love receiving gifts. We love receiving cards. My son, when he was growing up, uh, he was probably about, about maybe five years old, six years old, my older son, Justin, he gets a card and he opens it up, and there's money in it. He goes, oh, money. Puts it on the side, puts a card on the side. We're like, read the card. Who is it from? He goes, I don't know. Well, read it. So he reads the card, gets another card, opens it up. He's like, no more nothing. I'm like, just because there's nothing in it doesn't mean it's not a blessing. Just read the card. Who is it from? And after a while, he's, he's not even looking at the card. He's just opening up the card and opening it up like that. Puts it on. I'm like, what are you doing? See, we, we like receiving. We like getting things. But the Bible actually says it is more blessed to give than to receive. It kind of goes against the natural human side of us. It, it goes against our, our, our natural 
flow of current as well as the way the world is. But when Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, he's saying that because it's actually true. It does something to us. When you do something for someone, expecting nothing in return, and it blesses them, aren't you blessed? I mean, you, you, there, there's nothing, you can't even explain what that feels like because it's a blessing from God. And you don't go around bragging to people, oh, I'm blessed people today until I did this for someone, I gave someone money, I bought these guys lunch, oh, I'm such a blessing to people. No, you just, you just say, I'm going to do this, and God, you said for me to do this, so I'm going to do it. And, and you feel blessed. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Someone said it like this, when God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. It's like, Wow. There was this guy who did a, a video on uh, wealthy people and what makes wealthy people wealthy and what makes poor people poor, and it's not their income. He did a, a survey, and statistics shown that those who have a, just a, 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 an average amount of finances, I'll just use 20000 30000 a year, when they live under their means, they're able to save. And then when they get a raise, they still live under their means, within their means. And they become richer and richer and richer financially. Those who raise their standard of living in the sense of, oh, I got a raise. Now I have 5000 extra a year. Let's buy a car, a new one. We don't need this old bus up one. We're going to buy a brand new one. Now they're going into debt. And then when they get another raise, they say, oh, junk these clothes, pukas. Let's go get better clothing. But let's not buy just any kind brand. Let's go for the name brand. And so they go for name brand. Now it's more expensive. And with their income, as their income rises, so does their standard of living. And even though they make millions, they are absolutely poor. And you see that happening with sport, sports athletes, musicians, movie stars. Why? Because they keep raising their standard of living. And it's almost like God is saying, you, you got you to gotta remember... When I bless you, it's so that you can be a blessing to others while always remembering I'm your provider. Don't exceed me. Stay within your means. And it's not just financially. It's even with our time. It's the principle of not exceeding what God is already blessing us with. That whatever God is blessing us with, he's asking us to steward. He blessed us with a family. Steward them well. And when he says, I'm going to give you this principle of it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's not just going to work in your life for being a blessing. It's going to work throughout your entire life because now you are a blessing. You just live that way. It's not something that you have to uh, uh, produce or manufacture. It's, it's now you're a reflective resource for God. You're a reflective avenue for God. And that God can bounce off his light to other people. He can, he can utilize his spirit and his, and his blessing through you to other people. Because it's not us anyway. It's his power and his strength. And so the question is, do you give up on people? Or... Do you give in to God and let him use you as a blessing to other people? When people irritate you, when people, uh, when people 
don't want to listen to you, and it could be anybody, do you give up on them? Do you give up on, on people when, when they're not doing things your way? Do you give up on people when they, when they don't believe what you believe in? Do you, do you give up on people, or do you say, Lord, I, I want to continue to be used by you so that I can be a blessing to that person? As difficult as it may be, can I still be a blessing? That's what, that's what Joseph did, and Joseph learned that because he pressed into God. And by the time it looked like he could take on revenge, he said, no, 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 you guys meant it for evil. God intended this for good, to save many alive. That's the kind of faith God looks for in his people. So not just be a blessing to others. Here's the second thing, to be a worshiper unto God. That's what, that's what Jacob did. At the age he was at, Jacob began to worship God, not at the end of his life, but before that. Not when... When it came down to, okay, I, I have nothing else, nothing else to, to, to do. I have no more options. Lord, okay, you win. It's, it's no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to develop my faith so that I, I can live a life of worship to you. I want to continue to worship you. And Jacob actually began as a worshiper unto himself. Just think of his life here and stealing and being deceptive. He was a worshiper to himself. In fact, it was in his family when he went to Laban's household that his, one of his daughters, Rachel, when she left the house, took one of, their, one of the, the gods, the little idol, and she hid it. And Laban said, hey, you took, you took the gods from my house. And, and Jacob was saying, wait a minute, I didn't take no gods from your house. Search everything. And, and, and Rachel actually was hiding it. But actually, eventually, because of that one incident, they started to have little gods in their house. And Jacob had to really make a statement and say, hang on, we got to redo everything because there's no way possible we're going to have these gods in our household because Jacob started off with stealing the birthright. He, he, he took his father's blessing over Esau. He took Esau's blessing. He exercised shrewd business practices to gain more from his uncle. So he didn't start off well. And so now he's saying, I, I, I need to... I need to do things different. I need to change. And in Genesis chapter 35, verses 2 and 3, so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, he, and he said this. He made a statement and he made a declaration. He said, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. In other words, Jacob was saying, listen, you don't know what I've been through. I've been through all of this, and God was with me every step of the way. Ain't nobody bringing in the foreign gods in this house. And he made a statement, and he says, I'm going to worship God. And for some of us, that might need to be a statement we have to say in our hearts, that ain't no, there's no foreign gods that are going to set foot in this house. I'm going to clean house. I'm going to change. I'm going to do things different. Why? Because they don't belong here. After all I've been through, I'm not going to let this take me down. I'm not going to let something this small and mundane take me out. Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be a worshiper unto you, and I'm not going to let things get to my heart. I'm going to guard it with all that I have because out of it flow the issues of life. I'm not going to be a warrior. I'm going to be a worshiper. And Jacob worshiped God when he was dying. He wasn't regretting. He wasn't isolating he wasn't complaining. He wasn't dis distancing himself from God or blaming God for the mishaps that took place in his life. He worshiped God. Simple. He worshiped God. 
So be a worshiper. And it's more than singing songs. It's our life that we live towards God. That's what Romans chapter 12 tell, tells us. I beseech, thee, I beseech thee, brethren, under the mercies of God, to present yourselves as living sacrifices. In other words, the author is begging us to live a life that's pleasing to God, a life of worship to God. Singing is almost like that. It's like the proof of what's in my heart. But if this here doesn't match what I'm doing out there, then that's proof of what is taking place here may not line up with the worship that should be happening in my heart. It should be across the board. One of the most difficult things as a believer to do is worship God outside of the building. It's one of the most difficult things to do because now you're in the world where everything happens. Right now, we're sitting and listening and learning. This is not the classroom. Outside is the classroom. That's where we're tested. We're not tested in here. Look, nobody bothering you. No one's making trouble. No one's, no one's saying evil things to you right now. No one's, no one's bothering you in the sense of, you know, cutting in front of you when they're driving. No one's taking something from you, except probably your kids looking in your wallet or trying to find their phone so that you can play with it. Nothing's really bothering you right now. The true tests aren't in here. It's actually outside. That's why worship is a lifestyle. It's not just singing songs. And when he was dying, when Jacob was dying, he was still worshiping God. So be a worshiper. And here's the last thing, to be a spiritual leader. Just be a spiritual leader. Yeah, but I don't lead anyone. Listen, everyone leads someone. Everyone is a leader somewhere. You may be a leader at home, at school, where you work, uh, a leader in the church. You may be a leader uh, just being around children, your nephews, your, niece, your nieces. You may be a grandparent. You lead your grandchildren. But you're also a spiritual leader. They look up to you. My, my mom will remind me often, when I'll call her or she'll call me and she'll say, Sheldon, you need to pray for so-and-so, auntie, uncle, cousin. Uh, pray for them because we don't have grandma anymore. In other words, my great-grandmother was the spiritual leader of our family. And now my mom says, I am. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, hey, whatever we need to do. But just letting you know, mom, uh, Jesus is the ultimate leader. So let's always turn to him. And she says, I know I can, but you're here. I said, so is he. I'm, I'm only, I, I, I'm just a human being. I'll pray with you, but I'm just letting you know it's with the power of Christ. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know, but I just need to hear it. I said, okay, mom, I understand what you're saying, but just letting you know, he can walk on water. I just float. I'm not, okay, just letting you know. And she says, okay, yeah, I understand. But she sees it that way because we all lead somewhere spiritually. We, we all lead in some type of spiritual way. Now, it can be good, it can be bad, it can be very well, it can be very not well. It, can, it depends on who you want to become in the Lord. If you want to be a spiritual leader of your household, then you got to step up to that. If you want to be a spiritual leader in, in, in church, you got to step up to that. If you want to be a spiritual leader in the marketplace, you got to step up to that. And it is not easy. Look at Jacob's life. Look at Joseph's life. It's not easy. Look at the life of Christ. It's not easy being a spiritual leader. Why? Because you have two things that will always fight, your spirit and your flesh. That's why these movies are so good when there's good versus evil. 
That's why Star Wars is the, the, the number one most successful franchise because you have, you have the, the light side and the dark side. You have evil and good. And people play off of that. Why? Because that's what we relate to. But whatever you feed the most is going to win. Be a spiritual leader, not a fleshly one. In the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse, four, verse 14, it says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. In other words, don't even bother with the flesh. Let it starve to death. Let it die. Let the spirit live. Feed the spirit. Let everything else die. Let the flesh die. Galatians 5 verses 16 through 17 and then 19 through 23, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. When, you're, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, there is no law against these. It's like God says, here's the highest standard of morality. And he gives it to us. And he says, so you have all the resources you need to be a spiritual leader. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So you lead with your spirit, not with your flesh. And when Jacob was dying, when he was dying, he didn't let his physical inabilities hinder his spiritual abilities. And sometimes we let our flesh hinder our spiritual abilities. I want to encourage you tonight, develop a faith that endures, a faith that at the end of life, people will look at your life and say, boy, did they have a faith that endured even till this day. Oh, the beginning may not have been the very best, but they became more and more like the one they called the Savior. Amen? Let's be that kind of people. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. You know, when I talk about my grandmother, uh, I'm also going to invite our uh, keyboardist, <laughs> Glenn. One of the things I find is whenever God calls us to become men and women that follow him, we're always going to be tested. My grandmother, my great-grandmother, she was from the Philippines. She came to Oahu, I think she was second grade, to work. And so she dropped out of school and started to work at that young of an age. And she always knew about God, and as she grew up, she continued to follow God and then she would go to church and try to get us to church. I think I went to church one time with her. I didn't understand a word because they were speaking Filipino. And so I, I, I didn't understand anything. 
as my grandmother continued with her faith, she would pray over us. She would uh, pray over the family, especially at dinners and, you know, specific gatherings. And you may be that person in your family, or you may have someone like that in your family. So she continued to do that. And then I moved here to the Big Island, and then she eventually got sick, and she was in the hospital. Well, by then, I received the Lord, and my grandmother didn't know, because all her life, all she knew was this guy right here, that I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't at a place where I was following God. So I went to the hospital, and by the time I got there, she really wasn't uh, strong enough to sit up and, and talk and things like that. So I, I went to the hospital, and I remember it vividly because she was lying in bed, and when I went into the room, I just talked to her. I said, hey, Grandma, it's me. I'm, this is Sheldon, and no response. And so I just grabbed her hand with the IVs in them, and you know when you're in the hospital, it, it's just a, there's a different feeling than when you're at home next to someone. There's, you, you hear the monitors, the beeping. You hear the, the background of the the speaker systems and, and people walking by. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's a different setting. And so as I'm sitting there next to her, I just grab her hand and I say, hey, Grandma, I just, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you for praying for me all those years and believing that there's something good. And I, I said, I, I don't know if you can hear me, Grandma, but I just want to let you know. And I, I, just, I just leaned in so she could hear me better. And I whispered into her ear. I said, Grandma, I believe in Jesus now. And, I, and when I stepped back and sat back in my chair, I, I saw a tear roll down her face. And I thought, here's my grandmother on her deathbed that when she was dying, by faith, my grandmother, when she was dying, blessed me and worshiped God while she was leaning back on her hospital bed. And I thought, that is a faith that endures. Let's be those kinds of people that develops a faith that endures. Let's start today. Let's not make any more excuses. Let's do what God has called us to do. Become who God has called us to be. And make no excuses because he deserves our very best. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you have given us men and women as examples. As you call them in the hall of faith, you've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. You've given us your one and only son. That we live in a world where... Yeah, we can suppress our faith, we can suppress our feelings, we can suppress our emotions, but you want us to develop a faith that endures even to our dying breath. We don't know when the end of our life is, Lord, but you do. And so before we get there, we want to do everything possible to become the people you see us to be. That yes, the devil may intend things for evil, but you can turn these things around and mean it for good. You can develop us because there's more in us. There's more in every single person here tonight and you want to bring the best out of us. It requires faith. So let us be people by faith that we're able to bless others, worship you, and be spiritual leaders everywhere we go because you are with us. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen. Would you welcome Chad and Erica back up tonight? Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. By the way, Chad Chad is going to be team teaching with me in two weeks, right, Chad? And part of what we do is we want to raise up young men and women. Yeah, I called you young, Chad. Uh, Men and women who continue to carry the torch so that more people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So thank you, Chad, for being here tonight. And we're going to have fun in two weeks. Looking forward to it. Okay, let's have fun. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. So Chad, you wanted to share first? Sure. Um, you know, I liked what he said with the first point to be a blessing to others. And it, you know, it reminded me about our Spruce Up um, Saturday when we were getting ready for Easter. And, you know, we wanted to be a blessing to those that were coming for the Easter season and, and on. And it was so amazing to be a part of, there was almost about 100 people up here. And we were cleaning the church and getting ready. And everybody was in the yard, in the church, um, on the youth side, and the fellowship hall, just all over the campus. And, you know, out of, it was work, but it was so much fun. And out of doing what we wanted to do to bless others, um, I was blessed. People were saying they were blessed. It was just something that when we're serving God and we're doing what he's calling us to do, it's not work. It's, it's for people's souls, and it's so worth it. And so, yeah, I wanted to share that. Uh, what did you get, Erica? Oh, that's awesome. You know, this whole series, everything that, always sticks out to me is faith with works is what's going to make you live, right? Faith without works is death. So, um, you know, if you get a, you you guys had a splinter before in your foot and you don't just leave it there and you go, I believe God's going to heal me. And you endure the pain, you endure the suffering, you go, ah, God's going to heal me. You know, that's not going to do anything, but you endure the pain of, hey, mom, can you take this splinter out of my foot? Right? And then after that, you do your part. You go, okay, God, heal me. Help me to heal this wound. Um, faith with works is just the, the only thing that's been really sticking out to me this series. And I think that's really important. You know, speaking about our faith, um, coming up um, this coming Sunday, uh, we're having a water baptism down at Coconut Island. And you know, our faith, we continue to work that out. And if you said yes to Jesus, it's a great next step to get baptized and to publicly declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. And it doesn't stop. We continue to grow in the Lord and continue to work out our faith and get to know the plans that he has for us and how we get to serve and love him. Right. And Pastor Sheldon also shared with you, with your invita- invitations, faith with works, right, you share your invitation you invite somebody to mother's day because that's going to come up real quick also rooted and growing is starting a new bible study women's bible study this saturday and they're also starting two more on thursday next week thursday so if you want more information you can check out the info center there are cards to pick up on our connecting wall and you can also check that out online